we go over. The first theme was about God's word. And of course, most um, things that we do, we, we talk about God's word and how that is our foundation of truth, and that's where we start. The next theme that we just finished up was God's greatness. And we discussed God's attributes that um, are incommunicable, meaning that they're unique to him. We talked about how God was uncreated, how God was all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. And we talked about things that make him great and that there is no one like him. And so tonight, as we move from God's greatness, we're going to move into God's goodness. And so often you hear people on the streets or in the grocery store, any conversations you have, people often think that they're good or that they are a good person or they are not like many others. They compare themselves and their reference point is themselves or their experience. And so often we talk about things that are good. Uh, we talk about good food. Uh, we talk about having a good friend because they're always there for you. Or a good movie because you can, it was something that entertained you. But not everybody's concept of good is the same. What you might like or what might benefit you wouldn't benefit somebody else. So we have to really think of what does it mean to be good. So if we look at some synonyms and some usage of the word good, we think of morals in a moral sense, that there's good morals or values. You can think of a, a value of um, something you're going to buy. Is it a good value? Is, the, is it price tag? match up with what it's worth or a good person we think of someone who might be kind and out you know caring and outreaches to people and they're generous and we might think they're a good person or something that's beneficial for us like a good uh, good health or um, having something good happening to us that would be beneficial for us or, on the other hand, we think about how we treat others, and we think about good deeds. When we often are teaching our children or other people, young people, what is good, we talk about what is right or what is not right that is bad. Or we can think about how we talk to our animals. You know, we have them do a, a trick or a they a command and we say good and we give them a treat or if they uh, piddle on the living room floor you say bad dog so we we often talk about things that we think are good things that are usable desirable things that are pleasant but we have to really think about where does the standard the true standard good, not by our perspective or what we think, 
or what we have experienced, but where is the golden standard, the, the true standard of what is good? So that's why we're going to be going over for these 10 questions throughout these few weeks. We're going to be discussing God's goodness. And so this theme is going to be the goodness of God with two verses that over, over sh uh, show or they, they are for this theme. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And we're going to discuss how God is good, period. How God is good to all, not just in his goodness, even though it might not seem good for some, or it might not be something that they look as good, in his eyes, in his standard, everything he does is good. So we're going to go through and discuss what is our good God like. Does anybody have any um, ideas of description of what our good God is like? Any ways that we can describe how God is good? Yes, the sun shines on the just and the unjust, that the rain comes on the just and the unjust. And we're going to talk about that um, how God is just. Anybody else have a description of how God is good? Ben? He's pure and perfect. And one word that we use to describe that is he is holy. He is set apart and holy. Another way we can think of him is that he is truthful, and he is true, he is, and he has good gifts. So let us answer this question, what is our good God like? The answer is God is holy, loving, and perfect in all he is and all he does. He is true, noble, just, pure, and praiseworthy. It is because of God that we even know what good is. And so apart from God, we wouldn't even know what a good thing is. And we see that today with, uh, with how the prophet said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We have many people today that are far from God that do not fear God, and they even say in their heart, there is no God. And they will call what we see the scriptures calling evil, they call it good. And then they look at those who call them to repentance and those who call them to seek out God, that they are evil. And so we have an upside-down world that 
is in confusion. So we must go back to the scriptures and we are called to seek out what is our good God like. And so tonight we're going to uh, talk about a few things. That we're not going to be comprehensive on every aspect that God is good, but we're going to hit a few of them um, that are mentioned in this answer. So the theme verse or the, the verse for this week's question is found in Psalm 34, verse 8. The psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We're called to see and experience God's goodness, and we often find that goodness when we take our refuge in him, when we run to him for shelter, protection, and that we put our trust in him. So tonight we're going to talk about God's goodness. And first we'll see that God's goodness is seen in his holiness. What does it mean to be holy? Set apart. Okay. All right. So primarily the use of holy in the scripture speaks about how God is separate from the world and particularly sin. Now we know that when he created the world, it was perfect. That when he created man, he created Adam without sin to be perfect and that he was made holy. But because of sin, he was separated. He separated himself. Adam separated himself from God. And we know that God cannot be in the presence of sin and that he separates, that he keeps himself unstained from sin. In God, there is no evil, and he does not take part in any darkness. He is light, and there is no darkness in him, and he doesn't take part in that darkness. He is separate from sin and death, and he is separate from the evils of this world. We see in Psalm 5, verse 4, For you are not a God who delights in the wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. God detests wickedness, detests evil. And when we think about the world, we think about how the world is selfish and self-seeking, how the world focuses on fulfilling the, their own desires and what they think is good. The desires of the flesh, envy, strife, and the world is full of that, warring with each other, seeking out their own good. And so we see in contrast that God is pure, undefiled, and separate from the world. Exodus fifteen eleven reads, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? There's no one who compares to our God. He is holy. First Samuel 2, 2 says, There is none holy like the Lord, for though there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. God alone is holy. And because of his holiness, he is worthy to be praised. Revelation 15, 4 says, 
Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. God is deserving of worship. He is worth the word worship. His holiness, that he is separate and above all things, deserves praise. And we see this in Isaiah 6, 3, when the heavenly host, the angels call out, and when Isaiah comes before the throne and has a vision of God on his throne, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. His goodness is seen through his holiness. His separateness from where he will not partake in wickedness. We see something very similar with the angels crying out praises in Revelation 4, 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The angels recognize God's goodness and his holiness. And God separates or consecrates people, places, and things for his purpose. He calls people and places and certain objects to be consecrated or set apart, made holy for his use. We see this throughout the tabernacle. We see this in Israel when they are called to be separate from the other nations, not to uh, mingle with the other nations, not to uh, have relations with the other nations sexually, not to have uh, relations to them in regards to what they worship. They're to keep themselves set apart for God's use. And he has certain places that are uh, consecrated for his use. And so God calls things and people to be holy or unstained from the world. Leviticus twenty twenty six: You shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Israel was called out to be holy, to be separate from the world. And just like Israel was as God's people, so we are too. Those who have been born again in 2 Corinthians six seventeen, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. Paul says in his letters to the church in Corinth that they are the temple. They're not to join themselves with harlots. That they're called to be set apart. That the place, the dwelling place of God's spirit is in his believers. And so God calls us to be separate. And by God's grace, through Jesus Christ, having faith in Christ's fulfillment of this holiness, we are counted as saints or holy ones. 
And the word that is used for saints is the same root word for holy. It's, and it means to be cut off or separated, to be taken apart from this world and living uprightly. And we see that there's no good thing that God will withhold for those who walk uprightly. Second, we're going to see how God's goodness is seen in his justice. What does it mean to be just? Okay. Justice is order. It means that there's punishment for disobedience and fairness and equality of treatment for those. And we see how God is just Specifically, we can see this also with those who are vulnerable, those who are often put off to the side, those who will get overlooked. And so God himself, being just, does not have a preference over some and neglect the others. He counts all on the same plane of his justice. But we're to fear that justice if indeed we do wrong because there will be a time where we will have to take account for all the deeds we have done if indeed we're not made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew, Matthew 5.45 Jesus talks about how the Father makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The same sun rises and shines on the just and the unjust. And so he doesn't take some who are unjust, and there's times where he punishes them, there's times where he brings judgment, but it's all the scales are even. The scales are never unbalanced. An unbalanced scale is detestable to the Lord. The Lord is 100% just in all the actions he does. He's not unfair in any way that he treats us. Justice deals also with benefits. And we see that justice is caring for the vulnerable in Deuteronomy 10, 18. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and the loves and loves the sojourner giving him food and clothing. He cares for the orphans and we too are called in James we read that this is true undefiled religion that we would care for the orphans and the widows those who are left without someone to take care for them we're to go and care for them, the vulnerable. And we're not to just have a preference of someone who would be able to benefit us, but look to those who are in need. Not, even if it is not beneficial for us to go out of the way and care and love for somebody, we're doing it out of justice, out of mercy. God calls us to love justice and do mercy. To, to love mercy and do justice, that, we're to, that we are to 
represent or reflect his character. Just as we're called to be holy. Psalm 146.7, talking about God who executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. Paul says in Romans 12 that we're not to take vengeance into our own hands. We're not to take matters into our own hands, but leave justice to the Lord. For he will give justice to the oppressed in due time. And instead, we're to overcome evil by good. We're to feed our enemies. We're to love our enemies, to have mercy for them, knowing that it's God who is just and that at the due time, at the right time, God will deal justly. Romans 2.6 speaks of this, that he will render to each one according to his works. And he talks about the comparing between those who will be commended and those who will be condemned. That he will bring justice. And this justice is impartial. He does not deprive basic rights and needs from us. We know that God cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and he feeds those, and he cares for those people, and he does not deprive the basic rights and needs. And we see also that justice deals with morality, that God is moral, and he has establishes systems of morality. He establishes and raises up governing authorities to govern people, to bring punishment to the bad and safety to those who are in good conduct. We see that all throughout Romans 13. In Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without inequity, just and upright is he. There is nothing unbalanced about the way that God deals with us. And so if we get punishment or if we get discipline, and that, of course, is the, the difference between one who is in Christ and one who is outside of Christ, that God disciplines his children because he loves them to bring them to righteousness, bring them to repentance, and that he brings justice to all. Psalm 89.14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. God's goodness is seen in his justice. And we often hear people say, well, If God is so good, then why do bad things happen? We have to realize that this world is fallen, that this world is groaning for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to come back again, groaning that the children will be revealed through the adoption, that, that we will be made new, and the earth itself will be made new. And it's groaning. And, and so all of these disasters and, and hatred and, and all sorts of perversion that happens in this world 
is due to sin. But God is so perfect and God is so good that his justice will be served, but also that he, in, while he is patient, will, uh, willing that people will come to repentance, by his mercy we're not consumed. But we see also that God is so perfect that he uses the things that happen that seem bad for our good to bring us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. That through tribulation and through troubles, we find joy, trusting in him. So his goodness is also seen in his truthfulness or his faithfulness. Truth is something that is sure or real. It's faithful. It stands firm and it does not fail. There is no deceit or deception. Something that can and is proven over and over. Something that is true does not change. And we know that God's word, that God is true. And God is truth. And that he cannot lie. And that whatever he says is sure. And so his word then is consequently true. Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God's standard is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because he knows how we are. If someone says that they speak all, they only speak truth and they do not lie, I'm afraid that I would have a difficult time trusting somebody that says, well, I don't lie, I don't lie. And because our hearts are deceitful above all things and, and we even sometimes deceive ourselves. But God is so good that he is not deceptive. He is true, and we can trust in him. We see that Jesus is that showing or that revealing of that truth. God is true in his word and his promises. And when he's, what he says will happen, will happen. And it doesn't change. God is true, and he's genuine. He's not false. He exists. God is true, meaning that he's faithful, and his words never fail. God is true, meaning that he is certain, someone we can be confident in. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That he is the truth. He is the truth revealed. In 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. All other things that people worship are false gods. There is only one God, only one true God. And his, what he speaks is true, and he is unchanging. We also see now, finally, God's goodness 
is seen in his good gifts. And so I will run through some verses quickly here. James 1.17 says that every good, in, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. When something good happens, we can count it sure that it is from the Lord and that every good and perfect gift comes from him. So he is worthy to be praised. We're to praise him for the goodness he shows to us. Psalm 84:11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Something that I often struggle with is that realizing and knowing that God desires my good. Not, not just like what Robert thinks is good or what you know, other people thinks is good or a worldly standard, but ultimately knowing that God de- desires good for you. He's not some vindictive person who, who wants to, you know, uh, thinking of a child with, with a magnifying glass on a hot sunny day, shining down and burning ants. He's not some sort of overruling, lording over you, God. But he is full of love and grace and mercy, and he is good. And although we think we can do good things to others, he ultimately has the best for us. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is after Jesus says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall not find. Knock and the door will be opened. We're to ask our Heavenly Father for things. We're to come to him with petitions. We're to come to him with supplications, asking him. And he will not withhold any good thing from those who are seeking him. We know that also all the things that happen to us, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of these trials that happen to us, when people are overbearing, when there's those who treat you wrongly, when um, a disaster happens, when no matter what happens, and we can say, why is this happening to me? We can rest assured that God's goodness is at work, knowing in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. In the next verse, we see what that ultimate good is, and that ultimate good is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And this ultimate gift that we see is the free gift of salvation. Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is good. And his goodness is on display through that salvation. We see in Ephesians 2, and normally you see 8 and 9 together, but I'm going to read 7 and 8. 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness, towards us in Christ Jesus, that through salvation 
of a wretch. The salvation of someone who is deserving death. That Jesus took upon that punishment out of his abundance of his love for us to show that changing someone who is dead in trespasses and sin as the way the world goes, the course of this world, as we all once walked, it's to show the display of God's immeasurable riches, of his grace and kindness, that God is good and he saves sinners. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, this salvation is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. We see that God's goodness is shown in his gifts. And coming back to us thinking that we have a standard of good. The man who came to Jesus and he's, he says, this rich young ruler talking about, okay, what do I have to do to be saved? And we know the end of this is, says in Matthew 19, 26, that Jesus says, with man, when he's talking to his disciples, with man it is impossible, salvation is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And this conversation starts by this young man asking Jesus, and he said to him, why, he asked him, what good deed must I do? And Jesus replied saying, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commands. And of course he replies saying, well, I, which ones? Okay, there's 10 of them. Do I have to do all, you know, 60% in high school for me was a passing grade, so I would go for a D, you know. And so what, what do I have to do? Only follow six of them? Okay, I could do that. But really... He, in the end, has found that he was failing all of these because he failed to love God and he failed to love his neighbors. He failed to love God by loving his wealth more and he failed to love his neighbors by not caring for the vulnerable, for not caring for those who are in need. And, of course, God calls us to be good like he is. And his good cares for the needy. His good is just. His good is true. His good is holy we know that God's good standard is so high that we fall short of that good standard. But he calls us to be good like he is. But we're to recognize that he, in, he alone is, is perfectly good. But we know that we can find, find faith in his truthfulness and his faithfulness. We can rest assured that although we do fail, God's goodness never never changes. 2 Timothy 2.13 in this phrase that Paul is saying, that, talking about if we deny him, he will deny us. And, but he ends this phrase that if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God's character is not dependent on how we are. He doesn't relate to us any different. But by faith, we can come to him and please him because it's impossible to please God without faith. But by God's grace, we can come to know him and follow him and take part in his goodness. We can taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Going back to this question, remembering that God is the standard of good and that he is consistent and he is reliable in all of his goodness, God's goodness sets an example for us. It's the standard. Not me, not someone else, not a charitable person, not um, anyone who, who models or, or shows their goodness in their own eyes. But the standard of goodness is God, and it is displayed through Jesus Christ. So asking uh, the question, what is our good God like? God is holy, loving, perfect in all he is, in all he does. He is true, noble, just, pure, and praiseworthy. It is only because of God that we even know what God good is. We're called to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are a good father. That although we have many experiences on this earth with people who call themselves good, where we see that that doesn't really pan out, that you are the one who is good, that you show your goodness, not because of anything we have done, not because of anything we provoked from you, but because of your abundance of goodness. Out of the abundance of your holiness, the abundance of your justice, to the abundance of your love, out of your faithfulness, we can cry out and say, Lord, have mercy on us according to your loving kindness. Because we know that loving kindness is sure, it is good, and it is never changing. Your love endures forever, and we can rest in your goodness, knowing and admitting that we are not good and we need you. We need your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts to encourage us to turn to you, knowing that you desire our good and that we're not to kick, kick at you, but instead Humbly submit to you, looking in awe, giving praise that you are good. Let us taste and see that you are good. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us online, and thank you for joining us in person. Have a great evening.